God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio, and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. And we had a milestone this week. We passed the one million listener mark, and that's all the listeners over the past 12 years. We went on the air in 2009, so it's 2022. And in August, so we'll be celebrating in August. Yeah, in August we'll be celebrating starting our 13th year. But we want to thank God because we have not done, we haven't spent a penny on advertising. So the people that have tuned in over these many years found us somehow. And we want to give God all the glory for that. And we have, we've never begged money, the Bible says that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. So no ministry should have to beg people to support it because if, if God ordains it, he will find a way to support your work. We, the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. So I think that's a good way to live for all of us, especially in the days we're living in. We we have to trust God because we just don't know every day there's a, there's something new happening that you scratch your head and you say, yikes, I can't even believe that is really happening, but it is. So I would encourage all my listeners no matter what country you're in or what kind of government you have or what, God's still on the throne and he hears and answers our prayers and he knows what we need even before we ask. And I I would really like to see more ministries operate by faith where they talk about they operate by faith, but... Most of them don't really operate by faith. They either operate by collecting 10% from people or for, or uh, begging, or they do begging. And uh, that's, not way, that's not a way to operate a ministry where it glorifies God. So we're very grateful for all the listeners we have in many countries, and we have many countries that listen. But most of our listeners come from the United States first, and then Great Britain, United Kingdom, Australia, South Africa, Canada. We have people from New Zealand and uh, many, many other countries. So we thank the people for tuning in. And we know people are hungry for truth. And, of course, the Bible is the ultimate way to get truth. And I think in these days that we're living in, we have to really 
pay attention to God's word and we have to know it. Because truly the days are evil. Also, I wanted to remind you of our book, President Trump's Pastor, Paula White, The Miracle Selling Huckster, Who Became the Spiritual Advisor to the World's Most Powerful Man, and that's available on Amazon for uh, in paperback and in the Kindle version. So if you have if you have people that have any questions, because you see Paula White, and last week she was at this meeting of American values, and she's talking about values, and she doesn't have any values. She tells her and her husband a few years back, told people to watch pornography, married couples. She has no values when it comes to fundraising. She has no values when it comes to lying. So who is this person? And most people don't really know. So we've done hours upon hours of investigative reporting to not dig up dirt, but to just dig up things that will explain who this person really is with evidence, documentation that we have, audios that we can send you to with the links that are in the book. But probably uh, Donald Trump will run again for president, and and you're seeing these, especially on Kenneth Copeland's network, where they had some kind of a gathering, I think, last week or the week before last in Tulsa, and they packed the place out with many thousands of people with these America First rallies, and they're getting ready to bring back Trump, thinking that he's going to be the savior of some kind, but... That's not going to happen. And the fact that these people can't see what's really going on, and it's kind of like the blind leading the blind, but I'm not, I'm not voting for any politician that won't stop abortion. That's just number one. And I'm not voting for any politician that goes on a platform with Mrs. Moon, the cult leader, Antichrist, that calls herself the only begotten daughter of God like Trump did and Paula White did and Newt Gingrich did and Mike Pence did and Mike Pompeo and uh, the Secretary Esper. Who are these people? And what are they really up to? So the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. And we have to know who who these people are that uh, run for office and they claim to be Christians and they claim to be pro-life and they claim to be this. And then the evidence points in another direction. So we have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But anyway, we did, we added, I added a, a, uh, a few new chapters in the book and uh, some other documentation, so... If you have any friends out there that think that uh, Trump might be a Christian or Paula White's a Christian, then you might you might want to get them a copy of the book. <laughs> and uh, Paula White's welcome to come on here anytime. 
and uh, try to refute anything that's been said because everything's been documented. There is nothing in the book. There's no speculation. We don't make things up. We don't lie about people. We don't print gossip. It's facts. And that's what we've tried to do on this program for the last 12 years is present the facts and uh, let people judge for themselves. But I think it's very, very important if you're going to report things and you're going to report on heretics and con artists, preachers especially, that you have to back everything up with documentation. And we've always tried to do that on this program. Also, we have our book, Seed Faith, Can a Man Bribe God? And we have our website, propheticnews.com. Our YouTube channel, Greedy Preachers TV, and the other channel is under my name, Susan Puzio. So those things are available for you. And also, if you would like to email me, you can email me, Susan, at propheticnews.com, and I'll answer your email and see what you have to say. So God bless you, and... Hope to hear from you. Anyway, I thought, I thought, wow, what is, is this the Twilight Zone or what? When I heard about this new office that's going into the Department of Homeland Security, that's being held, uh, headed up by Alejandro Mayorkas, he announced that his agency is creating a disinformation governance board. And the new board will be fighting or promulgating disinformation. Nina Jankowitz, the head of the new board, is a Bryn Mawr graduate who worked for the National Democratic Institute, which is funded by the National Endowment for Democracy. Now, now, they're going to tell you what the truth is. So I'm thinking to myself, sounds like something that's happened in the past. And there was a book, I, I think I read the book a long, long time ago. I don't remember really everything that's in this book, 1984. And I did a little bit of research about it. And um, then I looked at some videos from World War II, around World War II, when the Nazis were in power and they were trying to take over the world with their propaganda. And there was Goebbels, was the propaganda master. So I, I collected some audios today and I think it's very important to listen to these audios and then you'll get a, a good idea of what's going on and... how important it is for us to stay close to Jesus in these days. 
because just when you think you've heard everything, something else comes out. So, God help us. And if God doesn't help us, nobody is going to help us. But anyway, here you go. There are thought criminals who maintain that the resistance is not real. Believe me, Winston, it is very real. Perhaps you're not familiar with how it operates. I'm uh, attentive to the news. Indeed. And perhaps you imagine a huge network of conspirators prepared to commit any atrocity to demoralize and weaken the order of our society. The reality is infinitely more subtle. If Goldstein himself fell into the hands of the thought police, he could not give them a list of his agents. Such a list does not exist. They are not an organization in the sense we know. Nothing holds it together but an idea. There is no possibility of change in their lifetime. In the face of the thought police, they cannot act collectively. Individually, they cheat, forge, blackmail, corrupt children, spread disease and prostitution in the name of spreading knowledge from generation to generation until in a thousand years. Yes, the thought police. I, I don't know if you, you're familiar with the thought police, but if you had a Twitter account, if you said something that wasn't proper in the thought police's eyes, they would put up some kind of a blurb and then they would try to correct your, your thought or your sentence. Or they were doing that on Facebook. If you would put something on there that they didn't approve of, they would come and they would say, what you're saying is not true. It's disinformation. And then under your your statement, they would put their statement to try to correct your truth. Yeah. So that was a, a, a clip from the movie 1984 of them talking about the thought police. And here we are now coming into this new Department of Homeland Security, the Ministry of Truth. They're going to tell you what the truth is. But the Bible says, Jesus says, my word is truth. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. 3 John 1, 3, for I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. Zechariah 8.16 These are the things that ye shall do. Speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. Amen to that. Ministry of Truth biography of 1984. Very much this is one of our priority areas and as a matter of fact just a few weeks ago 
Uh, I engage with secretaries of state from all over the country uh, to focus our efforts on election security. Uh, we are building upon uh, the great work of the former CISA director, Chris Krebs. Uh, Jen Easterly is leading, of course, a cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency in this effort. Uh, we have just established a mis- and disinformation governance board in the Department of Homeland Security to more effectively um, combat uh, this threat, not only to election security, uh, but to our homeland security. We are disseminating information uh, to the secretaries of state. We are counseling them and providing resources to ensure uh, better physical security. We are uh, addressing all aspects of election security, um, given, of course, the midterm elections that are upon us and the fundamental uh, integrity of our democratic processes that is at stake, at least leadership. Um, in, um, uh, in the wake of the uh, unprovoked and brutal uh, Russian assault against Ukraine's sovereignty, um, uh, CISA developed the Shields Up campaign, which is really um, uh, an effort uh, to disseminate information uh, throughout the private sector with respect to the threat landscape so that the private sector, which really houses the majority of our nation's critical infrastructure, can have its shields up, can be alert to the threat landscape, can understand the vulnerabilities that e exist, and can patch those vulnerabilities and know how to do so. That shields up effort is really extraordinary and unprecedented in scope and scale. And we also have been assisted uh, with legislation uh, that does not in any way interfere with a voluntary public-private partnership, uh, but does now, as you well know, given your championship of it and ranking members, the CATCO's championship of it, um, create a mandatory reporting regime where the federal government, best equipped to understand the homeland security landscape, can be informed of cyber incidents so that we can better protect the private sector. They're going to have a reporting agency, so if you don't say the right thing or think the right thing, maybe your neighbor will report you. But we are we are we're already seeing that on these social media networks like YouTube or Facebook or Twitter. They somebody might turn you in because you didn't say the right thing. And now it's even going to be ramped up. But that was that uh, Secretary Mayorkas. Here he is again. Board. And Joe, we are learning more and more about Nina Jankowicz, who's going to be the head of this board. Here are her thoughts on freedom of speech. I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms, what that would look like for the marginalized communities all around the world, which are already shouldering so much of this abuse, disproportionate amounts of this abuse. So if uh, the head of the disinformation board, Joe, is criticizing somebody who wants free speech, what does that say about what we're going to be allowed to say? A question. A, a government agency is creating a ministry of truth to combat what it deems misinformation, and it's going to fall under the leadership of 
DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. I, I mean, this is the guy currently presiding over the worst border crisis of our lifetime. But here's where the disinformation part comes in. He blames the Trump administration for it. At last check, that's a lie. So, so what could possibly go wrong here if he's the guy in charge of this? We've seen what he's done when he's been in charge of other things. And, and Nina Jankovic, not just what she said about Hunter Biden's laptop being Russian disinformation, and she's never apologized for it, but she's also praised Christopher Steele, he of the discredited and laughable Steele dossier, which was complete and total dis disinformation that tried to impact a presidential election. I mean, you could go on and on with the person that's in charge of this. And now she also thinks that Elon, and it's not Elon Musk, it's only one word, remember, uh, one person, uh, Elon now owns Twitter. She says that's scary. But you get my point. Mayorkas and Jankovic are the two of the last people who should be leading up any ministry of truth. And, and the U.S. government shouldn't even be considering creating something like this run by partisans with political agendas in the first place, because this will be weaponized just like everything else. The Biden administration says it wants to battle misinformation. The best place may be by starting uh, to, to, to think about purchasing a large mirror, because when you blame Putin's invasion of Russia on inflation uh, that's been rising for well over a year, that's disinformation. When you blame Trump for the current state of the U.S. Uh, border, that's disinformation. Or when you say democracy is in peril if voting rights aren't federalized, uh, maybe you shouldn't be the arbiters of truth. It's absolutely insane. It really, really is. And the, the, and the thing is, what, are, what can anybody do about this government that is in place now? You can't really do anything except pray. God allowed it. God allowed it. So if, uh, if they impeach Biden, then you get Harris. Well, if you don't like Harris, then you get Nancy Pelosi. So, <laughs> it's like, pick your poison, you know. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it when I heard about this. I was absolutely stunned. But, will they say the Bible is hate speech? Well, here we go. A former Finnish minister named Paivi Rasen tweeted out this message. In the tweet, she criticized the Lutheran Church in Finland, of which she's a member, for agreeing to take part in Finland's Pride Day. She posted a picture from the Bible and quoted it, asking how shame and sin can be presented as pride. Now she is facing jail time, accused of hate speech. <laughs> The trial started this week in Helsinki and is headline news in Finland. It's also getting a lot of attention around the world because the outcome of this case could set a precedent. Can religious beliefs be interpreted as hate speech? She has also been charged for two other utterances, one being an article that was published online 16 years ago when she described homosexuality as a psychosexual development disorder and other comments she made during a radio interview on the National Broadcaster of Finland when she described people who are homosexual as dysfunctional. The action against Rasinen is being taken by the Finnish state, and prosecutors are claiming that her comments are likely to cause intolerance, contempt and hatred towards the homosexual community. 
Rasanen is denying the charges and says that she stands by her words and that she's always been a strong advocate for human rights. Rasanen, who is a medical doctor by training, was Finland's interior minister from 2011 to 2015. She arrived at court on Monday holding a Bible and told the waiting media that she was honoured to be defending freedom of speech and religion. Prosecutors are arguing that Rasanen's statement violate the equality and dignity of homosexuals and therefore go beyond the limits of freedom of speech and religion. Rasanen also claims her beliefs are rooted in the Bible and that theological issues should not be solved in court. However, in court on Monday, the prosecutors argued that this case should be based on the secular legal system, not the writings of the Bible. If found guilty, Rasanen could technically face time in prison, although it would be more likely she would receive a fine, which could be in excess of €13,000. The trial continues. Amazing. Amazing. She was placed under arrest because she quoted a Bible scripture about homosexuality. It could happen here. It's happening in other countries. That's not only Finland. Court dismissed all charges of hate speech against a Christian member of parliament and a pastor. Those charges were filed after they shared what the Bible says about homosexuality. Dale Hurt has the story. On trial were Finnish lawmaker and former interior minister Paivi Rosinen and Bishop Johanna Poyola of the Evangelical Lutheran Mission. Also on trial was the Bible itself, and whether quoting the Bible is a hate crime. Finland's own constitution instructs the state church to proclaim the truths of the Bible. But when Paivi Rasanen challenged the church to do just that, she was charged with a crime. Prosecutors accused Rasanen of committing hate speech on three occasions. In a pamphlet about biblical marriage published almost 20 years ago, in a broadcast interview and in a 2019 tweet in which she questioned why the state Lutheran Church was officially supporting Finland's Gay Pride Week. In my tweet, I directly cited Romans first chapter and verses 24 to 27 and posted a picture. A passage which condemns homosexuality. It's biblical teaching that the Finnish constitution says it supports. The Lutheran pastor who published the pamphlet Paivi wrote on Christian marriage was also found not guilty. Rosanen says she does not regret the ordeal she's had to go through, saying she's received letters from homosexuals who accepted Christ after reading about her story. Her trial has also helped awaken many Christians in Finland who rallied to her defense. I have a very, very strong feeling that this has been my calling. In some way, this has been hard time, but in some way, I have felt that this has been a privilege. <laughs> wow. Amazing. It's amazing. It's like, God help us because we need all the help we could get. And, and it, it's not over. This kind of thing is not over. 
And in the, in the days ahead, it'll be harder and harder to uh, preach the truth. I, I even noticed that on my YouTube channel and people make comments. And I leave up the bad, bad comments and uh, the good comments. People have their say. And, and I'm always surprised when, when somebody says to me, if I'm bringing up a fact about a scam artist preacher, and they say, oh, the Bible says, don't touch God's anointed. They're not talking about, uh, that scripture is not talking about uh, bringing a... Uh, bringing up somebody's heresy or somebody's false teaching, which we're supposed to do. We're, we're called to warn people and we're called to judge. <laughs> Everybody judges, including the person that wrote me the, the uh, comment. And I think to myself, that is such an old argument that they used, they used to use back in the 80s and the 90s if you would ever criticize a false teacher, they would say, don't touch God's anointed and do his prophets no harm. Well, the word touch there actually means touch, hit, slap. It doesn't mean say something with your mouth. It's ridiculous. I, I can't even believe that people still quote that scripture like that. And they can't, the eyes of their understanding can't be open to see what's really going on because the things that we're seeing in the in the world, the political world, are the same things that are going to happen and are happening in this so-called, well, the false church where people can't be corrected. They, anything goes in these places. And they've managed to brainwash people into... Uh, hypnotize people to go along with everything they're saying and everything they're doing. And then they're going to tell people that anybody that criticizes them is touching God's anointed. So we really ha we haven't seen anything yet. Here's another story I found quite interesting, and this happened in California. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Would you give him the book? You're under arrest. What have I done wrong? Sir? You're not allowed. You can, can you've been you asked. Tell me what it is that I've done. Absolutely, I will. Give me a, yeah. Absolutely, I will. You've been asked to leave, and you did. <laughs> Folks, this is what the United States is coming to. You can yeah. preach on you, know, you can stand here and talk property. about anything you want, but you can't talk about okay. the Bible. Let's not turn around. You can preach on your own property. You can preach on the street corner. But you're not allowed to preach here because this is a captive audience. They're standing in line. It says everyone, the devil's holding everyone captive to do his will, folks. It doesn't matter who I talk to. They're all captives. What is he arrested for? You guys, I'll tell you guys in a second. You're with them. Do you want to go too? If you want to arrest us, you can. Do you want to? You're um, giving you the option. You can leave. Are we breaking the law? You are if you preach. What if, if we preach? Yes. 
Do you want to leave or do you want to be arrested? Uh, for preaching, what law is that? I want to know. I'm going to ask you one more time. I'm, uh, ask, I'm not preaching You've been any asked the law. to leave. The officer, we're the asking you the law. Are these guys preaching too? No. Why are you preaching? All right. Sir, what law was he breaking? I'll I think, meet you inside. Hey, officer, I think you're breaking the law. What's the law? Yeah, what's the law? No, can you believe that? He was being arrested for preaching because he was at a motor vehicle place and there was a line of people, so he thought, well, that's a good place to preach. And they were on public property. But I looked up some things on the Internet which says that if you're on public, even if you're on public property and you're asked to leave, you, you have to leave. Otherwise, they, they'll, they can arrest you. But you can fight it, of course. But then you have to go to court. You have to hire an attorney. And uh, you would probably win in the end. Because how could you be arrested for preaching on public property? And he says, you can't preach because <laughs> you have a captive audience. Yeah, well, I guess. It's usually when you're preaching, you have a, somebody's listening to you, so... Yeah. Yeah. But in California, with all the crime in California, they're, they, they're picking on this guy. It, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And like I said, you could, if they ask you to leave, you can leave. That's the end of it. Or it, it's up to you, really, then, if you want to make an issue out of it and go ahead and get arrested and then fight it. Because you could say your civil liberties were being denied. And uh, I saw this years ago when someone that I knew, I didn't know this person really well, but they used to go to uh, Benny Hinn's church in Orlando and stand on public property with signs warning people that Benny Hinn was a scam artist and that kind of thing. And, and there would be quite a good number of people that would stand out there on, on public property. And Benny had some police officers that attended his church. And so when they were off duty, they would go and harass these people and threaten them with arrest and all kinds of threats and I think that I think that they did bring, they did have some kind of a court case. This is long ago. This is back oh, twenty years ago, maybe more. And uh, but some churches will do that if you go to protest. Say you want to go and protest a speaker. You can stand on public property with a sign or something like that. And then they could call the the uh, police to come and get rid of you, which which they they do. And uh, if you don't leave, they can have you arrested, even though you are on public property. It, but you notice that there's so much even discrimination with that because you see these protests, and you notice something that. There's not so many protests now that uh, Biden is in office because 
a lot of these protests are planned and they pay people to riot and to do the things that they're doing. So you notice that they're not doing it so much anymore because they have control. They have the control that they want. And so they don't have to stir things up as much as they were stirring things up now. Although I can't, I can't say that I agree with everything that Trump did. He did have some good policies and he did have some things that irked the uh, powers that be. So, but I, I think people should be allowed to protest. They should be allowed free speech. They should be allowed on public property. But there's, you know, the law applies to certain people and not to, uh, not to everybody. More times, see? In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again for the truth to sink in, to kind of catapult the propaganda. People being paid by the CIA who are contributing to a major circulation project aims to reframe American history. It is an examination of the United States' origin story, a corrective history. It is designed to kickstart conversations, thus that hashtag I just mentioned, 1619 Project. Just a simple social media post from years ago can prevent you from getting a job. Is that fair? Tonight, Denver 7's Russell Haythorn goes 360 on the rise of what's being referred to as cancel culture. You may have never heard the term cancel culture. It's somewhat of a boycott of a person who has done something that other people find objectionable. It can also be someone just like you and me. Putting something out there that can probably offend somebody. So I often caution people, especially young people, students, uh, about what they place on social media because that is their professional image and picture forever. Cancel culture is a form of boycott or public shaming of a person who has shared a questionable or unpopular opinion. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I would get a job at this point with all the things that I have out there, all my opinions. But it's a good thing I work for the Lord. He's not going to cancel me, Amen. But it's true. I had there was a friend of mine that was trying to get a job and had all kinds of qualifications. But you know that they were checking this person out on social media and nobody would hire this person. <laughs> I don't know how many jobs they applied for, but that's it. They're going to look you up and see what your opinions are. But in all the, the different ministries that I work with when I was in uh, public ministry, especially Word of Faith ministry, I never took a salary because... I always wanted to have my own opinions about things. And if I didn't agree with something that was going on there, I wanted to be able to state that without fear of being fired because I didn't want to compromise what I believed. And I, I think that's very, very important. And it's probably harder to do, and, and I'm... I believe also that if you're working a secular job and they ask you not to do certain things, that you have to abide by what they tell you to do as far as 
if they don't want you preaching on the job or whatever, and they ask you not to do it. So if you're if you're working for a, a secular company and they ask you not to do certain things, as long as it doesn't violate your morals, you have to abide by what your boss is telling you to do. So, but I, I think that it's very, very important to stand up for truth and to stand up for what you believe, even if it costs you something, and most of the time it will. But I have, I have here about five clips, and I think these are very important as far as the, the Nazis were concerned and how they formed their propaganda. And Joseph, Paul Joseph Goebbels was in charge of the propaganda ministry there at the Nazis' headquarters. And it was very, very effective. They had their own film production company. And we can kind of see that today with a lot of the television programs and the movies where they try to tell you how to think and they're overtly immoral. Most of the movies, the language and the, the overt sexuality and uh, so many... Even if you look at some of the top-selling books today, you're, you're amazed at uh, what people are reading. But these audios are very, very enlightening. And uh, this was from a documentary that's up on YouTube. But let's play the first one. Associated with one term, propaganda. Now, propaganda is uh, today... A very negative word, I think it would be fair to say. Propaganda, the sense that somebody is conveying information or messages to us uh, with the desire to manipulate us, manipulate our, our minds or feelings for political aims or purely for commercial aims. And propaganda and its use and abuse and how it's disseminated and who uses it and who controls us is probably one of the most important topics of today. Uh, the rise, certainly, of social media, the internet, uh, the holding of, of media in, in fewer and fewer and fewer hands, and the sophisticated use of public relations uh, by governments, by corporates, um, by foreign actors in our domestic affairs, has become so great that spotting, understanding, and combating propaganda is uh, probably one of the most important things uh, that we as citizens, uh, we as humans, um, should arm ourselves with. And uh, really a key topic of reading for wisdom is this, is developing and cultivating a mind to resist propaganda or certainly to spot it in the first place. Uh, now, the term propaganda is, is actually, in its uh, original etymology, um, a relatively neutral term. It just means to spread, to spread something, uh, spread information. Um, not necessarily, as I said, in, in a pejorative sense. But propaganda really took 
its negativeness, and propaganda techniques were honed in the 20th century by the two great totalitarian sides, the fascists and the communists. And both of them share, of course, a common history, certain uh, common beliefs, uh, very uh, common methods that they all learnt off each other, honed and shaped propaganda uh, right from the uh, revolution, uh, 1917 revolution, uh, right the way through the 20s, the 30s and the 40s and all the way to the total propaganda of the total war years. And the Well, that wasn't about Joseph Goebbels, but it, it's an introduction into what propaganda is. And it's a real education, especially at this point in history. That's why we have to, we can't just accept everything that we hear on television and everything we read. You, you really have to dig, you have to spend some time going back and forth with different articles and trying to watch videos and listen to interviews and things like that to try to get to the bottom of things because there is, all, there is so much disinformation out there. And it's not just political disinformation. It's biblical disinformation, which I think is even more dangerous than the political. One of these men, the most loyal of all of Hitler's entourage, decides with his wife that the post-Nazi world is not worth living in. The next day, after poisoning his own children in their beds, he commits suicide himself, next to the grave of his beloved Führer. His name, Joseph Goebbels, the master of propaganda. Both Joseph's parents were devoted Roman Catholics. In 1924, he wrote and published an article in a newspaper, the Volkische Freiheit, in which he called for Hitler's early release from prison. Hitler was indeed released early on the 20th of December 1924, by which time Goebbels had joined the Nazi party, beginning the association which would dominate the remainder of his life. Goebbels' role in the Nazi party grew in the years that followed. We know a great deal about his life from the mid-twenties through Goebbels' own writings. Starting in 1923, he kept a series of extensive diaries unbroken for 22 years down to his death in 1945. These diaries were taken to Russia after the war and have only become fully available since 2008. Stretching to 32 volumes in the modern print editions, they provide a uniquely detailed insight into the life, career, and thoughts of one of the leading members of the Nazi leadership. They also provide what one of the foremost historians of Nazi Germany, Ian Kershaw, has deemed a vitally important source of insight into Hitler's thinking and action, particularly in his ascent to power in the 1920s and early 1930s. The diaries give extensive details of Goebbels' career in the initial years of his membership of the Nazi party. In his early days, he was under the patronage of Gregor Strasser, a leading member of the party, who led a branch of the Nazis that leaned more towards socialism and anti-capitalism in opposition to Hitler's right-wing faction. And owing to Strasser's influence, Goebbels was appointed as a spokesman for the party in the Rhineland region where he originally hailed from in 1924. His role as a propagandist for the party also began at this time, as he was sent to start work as a writer and editor for the party newspaper. 
this is very, very, a very, very interesting piece of history. And I haven't read any of their of the diaries. I wonder how accurate they are at this point if they weren't made public until 2008. Did they rewrite these diaries? It would have been great to have access to his diary right after he died, but they didn't let people see those documents. It's just like the, you notice, and, and uh, I always see the Catholic Church in these kind of things too because it says that his family was Catholic and uh, there was some collusion there with the Roman Catholic Church and, and the Nazis, but that's another show. I mean, you could do a whole show on that thing. But it's odd. It's, it, that's an, an odd piece of history there, too. It was still only able to win 44% of the vote, which translated into 288 seats in the Reichstag. This, however, was enough. On the 23rd of March 1933, the Nazis excluded the communists and others from the Reichstag and intimidated several other parties in order to ensure that an enabling act was passed by an overwhelming majority through both houses of the parliament. This enabling act decreed that the German chancellor and his government could effectively suspend the government and rule by decree over a period of four years. The passage of it through the Reichstag effectively spelled the end of the Weimar Republic and the establishment of single-party Nazi rule in Germany. Goebbels did not have to wait until the passage of the Enabling Act to acquire the ministerial position he had long sought. On the 14th of March 1933, Hitler appointed Goebbels as head of the newly created Reich Ministry for Public Enlightenment and Propaganda. Over the next 12 years, and for the duration of the German Third Reich, Goebbels would enforce Nazi ideology throughout Germany and Europe through his ministry. Goebbels' thoughts on propaganda and its uses was perhaps best expressed in a speech entitled The Art of Propaganda, which he made before the political education seminar of the Nazi party in Berlin on the 9th of January 1928. Here he stated, Propaganda shows that it is good if, over a certain period of it, can win over and fire up people for an idea. If it fails to do so, it is bad propaganda. If propaganda wins the people it wanted to win, it is presumably good. And if not, it was presumably bad. No one can say that your propaganda is too crude or low or brutal, or that it is not decent enough, for those are not the relevant criteria. Its purpose is not to be decent, or gentle, or weak, or modest. It is to be successful. Thus, Goebbels' view was clear. The end always justified the means when it came to state propaganda, and any methods, however crude or deceptive, could be used if they furthered Hitler's and the wider Nazi party's ideological goals. As long as, as, long as it furthered their goals. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the other day, I think, uh, Chuck Schumer was saying that we're going to have to raise taxes. We're going to have to raise taxes to help with the inflation that they created. Oh, yeah, let's raise taxes. And then... Uh, it was a, there was a published article, I think, in Bloomberg where they were telling people that, okay, so you might not be able to get enough food. You might not be able to afford all the food that you're used to eating, so eat lentils. <laughs> oh, it kind of reminded me of 
Marie Antoinette when she said, let them eat cake. <laughs> oh, dear. You can't believe it. You just can't believe it. For the next 12 years, and for the duration of the German Third Reich, Goebbels would enforce Nazi ideology throughout Germany and Europe through his ministry. Goebbels' thoughts on propaganda and its uses was perhaps best expressed in a speech entitled The Art of Propaganda, which he made before the political education seminar of the Nazi Party in Berlin on the 9th of January 1928. Here he stated, Propaganda shows that it is good if over a certain period of it, can win over and fire up people for an idea. If it fails to do so, it is bad propaganda. If propaganda wins the people it wanted to win, it is presumably good. And if not, it was presumably bad. No one can say that your propaganda is too crude or low or brutal, or that it is not decent enough, for those are not the relevant criteria. Its purpose is not to be decent, or gentle, or weak, or modest, it is to be successful. Thus, Goebbels' view was clear. The end always justified the means when it came to state propaganda, and any methods, however crude or deceptive, could be used if they furthered Hitler's and the wider Nazi Party's ideological goals. A sense of the scale of control which Goebbels hoped to exercise over German life through his ministry can be glimpsed by examining the organizational structure of his department. It was divided into multiple branches which variously dealt with broadcasting, the national and foreign press, films, censorship, the arts, music and theatre, mass rallies, race issues, indoctrination of German youth, and counter-offensives against anything which was deemed to be foreign or domestic propaganda directed against the Nazi state. Over the next 12 years from its headquarters across from Hitler's own offices in the Reich Chancellery, Goebbels would shape the ideology of the Nazi Party and the Third Reich. Goebbels and culture, writers and artists who were considered anti-German in their actions were silenced and their works destroyed or suppressed. Goebbels was also central to a series of mass book burnings, which swept through Germany shortly after the ascent to power of the Nazis, the foremost occurrence being on the 10th of May 1933. That evening, German students in Berlin oversaw the burning of over 25,000 books which were deemed un-German. These included works by Karl Marx, Erich Maria Remarque, Albert Einstein, and Sigmund Freud. Goebbels was central to the events in Berlin on the 10th of May, and gave a speech before thousands of people in which he encouraged the crowd to reject the moral corruption which such books instilled suffusing his oration with the anti-Semitism which was the trademark of the Nazi party, he stated at the event in Berlin that the era of Jewish intellectualism is at an end. These events showed how far Goebbels had drifted from his earlier life. The PhD student and would-be writer of 1921 had become the overseer of mass book burnings and cultural destruction. Unsu it's it's um, quite amazing, isn't it? When you at this part of history. They say history repeats itself, and we, we see the same thing happening here, where now they're going to try to control people's speech. They, they have been trying to control it, because you couldn't say certain words when uh, you made a YouTube video. If you said a certain word, they would take your video down, or they would even throw you off the channel and never let you back on in some instances, just because you weren't using the proper 
terms or you didn't have the proper thoughts that they want you to think. So with all this going on, it just really sets the stage for the Antichrist to appear on the scene. And, of course, this, this propaganda that they're using now, the, the public at large isn't buying it for the most part. So they're not accepting it, where, whereas uh, before this new government came in, people, half of the country was accepting the propaganda that was being put forth. Now, there was propaganda on both sides. I'm not saying the Republicans didn't have their propaganda. They had some of their propaganda, too. And uh, so people bought into the, the uh, half of the country, I would say, brought, bought in, was buying into the propaganda for the, for the new government that was being set up. And then the new government that was being set up started to uh, sock it to them, <laughs> as they say, where the price of gas almost doubled. Uh, food prices went out of sight. The interest rates are going up. Uh, there's going to be a food shortage. They, they are helping to fund a war. They're, uh, they're going to raise your taxes. Yeah, they're going to let you have it. So now I, would, I wouldn't say half of the country is buying the propaganda anymore because it's affecting their, their uh, standard of living. And it's affecting a lot of people's standard of living. It's expensive to fill up your gas tank. And it's expensive to have to feed your family. And if you're going to try to buy a house, it's going to be more expensive to pay for that house. Real estate prices are out of sight now because of inflation. It's harder and harder to buy a home. So during the Nazi days, they said, well, as long as it's good propaganda and it works, this propaganda that was being perpetuated here isn't working as effectively as they had hoped that it would work. And so now they have to set up this ministry of truth there in the government because maybe they can't control social media. Well, they've got Google in their pocket and they've got Amazon in their pocket and they've got, well, they said that they had Twitter in their, in their pocket and supposedly when Elon Musk takes over, he's going to allow freedom of speech. We'll see. I don't know what's going to happen in that instance, but, and they have uh, Facebook. So, but if any of these other people decide to sell out, then they're not going to own that particular social media organization that has millions and millions of people around the world listening. So then the government now, and who's more powerful than them as far as, yeah, they can arrest you. They can put you in jail, just like they did to some of the people that were at the uh, January 6th event at the uh, Capitol. I mean, some of the people didn't commit crimes, 
of any note, and they're still in jail, and they're not allowed bail. They're not allowed to, to uh, have a speedy trial. So it's all kind of a planned destruction of America, and there was a book that was written years ago, and I think the man's name was James Wardner, and he wrote this book, The Planned Destruction of America, and you can, you can really see it. You can really see what's happening. So I think that when it, when it affects people's families and it affects their standard of living, that they're not buying they're not buying into the propaganda. So then there'll be, there'll be politicians saying, well, we'll rescue you from this propaganda and from this wicked, evil government. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be very interesting in the next few years to see what happens. But we have to keep our eyes on Jesus because he's the savior of the world. There isn't any politician that's going to rescue us. When you think of from 2016 to 2018, I think the uh, the Republicans had control of the House and the Senate and the presidency. And so they had the opportunity to, to accomplish so much or according to the, the supposed values that they stand on, but they didn't, they didn't accomplish the things that they should have accomplished for the people of this country. And so then, because they didn't accomplish the things that they should have, and the, and, uh, the propaganda was swinging toward socialism, then people started to buy into this whole socialism idea. But Americans don't like socialism as a rule. We don't like it. And I think most people don't want to put up with it. But what are you going to do? If you don't know Jesus Christ and you don't, you don't have anybody to turn to when times get tough, and it's probably going to get a whole lot tougher as the days go on and it's it, it'll probably be a whole lot harder to uh, make your voice heard so we have to we have to work while it's still day and do whatever we can do for the cause of Christ and to help people to give them the crutch that they're going to need which is Jesus Christ because you, you, you hear people say, well, Jesus is a crutch. And then I, I think it was Andre Crouch said, well, if he's a crutch, give me two. And that's what I say, give me two, because he's my crutch. Here's the last audio. This was made clearer in the winter of 1942 when the tide was turned in Russia, with German defeat at the Battle of Stalingrad. As a consequence, from the spring of 1943, Goebbels began arguing for what he termed total war, by which he meant that all of the state's resources would be employed to the maximum degree possible to fight the war. At a meeting of the Nazi faithful at the Berlin Sportpalast, a huge sports stadium in the capital, on the 18th of February 1943, Goebbels laid out his belief about what was needed in what has been deemed his most famous speech, 
Germans would have to live a Spartan, exhausting way of life henceforward, Goebbels asserted in his speech, which was broadcast nationally on radio. He argued that Germans would have to work 14 or 16-hour days to keep up the war machine, but this was necessary to keep Europe from falling almost... And you see there where they were telling the people that they were going to have to sacrifice now. And that's exactly what the, this government is telling us. No, you're going to have to sacrifice. You have to eat lentils. And you can't drive as much. And you, and you won't get all the foods that you like to eat. And you're going to have to pay higher taxes. And you're going to have to help foreign governments before we help ourselves here. So that we can fund the military establishment, the co military contractors, so they can make billions on their, on their weapons. And instead of trying to negotiate a peace treaty there or a ceasefire, they just keep sending more weapons so people can kill each other. It's a good thing we have a savior. It's a good thing we have a savior because we are in some troubling times. But I, I, but I say, look up because your redemption draws nigh. And maybe you, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're listening to this program and you say, yikes, that, that doesn't sound so good. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But I know in whom I have believed, and I know that my God is greater than all of this, and with his help, we're going to get through it, no matter what our trial is, and we've all been through some terrible trials in the past few years with a, a very evil, wicked pandemic that made... Almost every single one of my friends sick, and some didn't live from it. And now there's other different things that are going on that, that's affecting all of us as a country and as a, as a body of believers. But we're going to stand steadfast in the faith and earnestly contend for the faith. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2.8.9, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Jesus said in the third chapter of John that ye must be born again. First, you're born of your mother. And then you must be born again of the Spirit of God. And realize that you are a sinner. Some people say, well, I'm a good person. No, you're not good enough. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you might have to take a look at yourself and say, yeah, I think I have... uh, I think I have sinned in my life. And come to the Lord with a repentant heart and ask him to forgive you because he will take those sins and he forgets about your past. And he gives you a brand new life. And for us that have been born again, we know what that is. We know what we've been redeemed from and how God gave us a brand new life and old things passed away and behold, all things became new. And that has happened to each and every one of us that has accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And there'll be some people that say, well, why give an altar call and you can't force people to pray? Well, no, you can't force anybody to pray and you can't force anybody to believe. But the Bible says, how will they hear without a preacher? And God says he uses the foolishness of preaching. So we preach. We sent out the invitation, and hopefully people will accept the invitation and get a brand new life through Jesus Christ our Lord and know that they can have eternal life in heaven because this earth is not our home. We're aliens in a strange land. We're just passing through here. We know that our time on earth is short. Any of us that have lost loved ones, we know when they pass away, that Bible verse becomes so much clearer to us that our life is but a vapor. You're here one minute and then you're gone and you're not here anymore. But you can know that when you leave this life, you you will have eternal life either in heaven or in hell. And the decision is yours. We want to thank everybody that was listening today, all our listeners around the world. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of our broadcast. And don't forget, if you want to contact me, Susan at propheticnews.com. And we'll be back next week. God bless you all. Bye-bye. be the